Hello, my name is Scott. And I am Seth. <laughs> and I don't know why I'm talking like that. <laughs> why did we do that? I don't know. We're track walking. Uh, yeah, thank you. Because <laughs> we forgot to say that. Just in case anybody accidentally loaded this podcast and had no idea what they were doing. Yeah, we've, we've had like some stray um, downloads from just very strange parts of the world. Um, that I assumed that they were searching for something and we were not it. And they accidentally were like, what in the hell did I download? Uh, Australia. Not that weird, but okay. Uh, the UK. Okay. Belgium. That's probably my sister. Germany. I don't know who that is. Italy. We're just kind of hitting all the major European countries. I would love to be big in Malta. Yeah. New Zealand, Puerto Rico, Poland. That was probably 10 back in the day. Yeah, probably. Uh, Brazil, Ireland. I actually know a bunch of Brazilians, which is weird. Romania. All right. France, Norway. I can see them being an, into us. Russia. They're just taking a peek, being sure everything's on the up and up. Yeah. Spain, Mexico, the Virgin Islands, Greece, Taiwan, Denmark, Finland, Japan, Philippines, Republic of Lithuania, Sweden, India, the UAE, Jamaica, Israel, Costa Rica, Cameroon, Singapore. Do we have Estonia. do we have anywhere we're getting like multiple downloads from them? Or is it just like one and one and one and one and one? Yeah, I don't it's under one percent, so it's Hard to say. Estonia, Bahamas, Colombia, Indonesia, Chile, Netherlands, Peru, South Africa, Dominican Republic, Palestine, Sri Lanka, Hungary, Saudi Arabia, Kenya, and the Czech Republic. I want to believe there's like one person who leads this <laughs> like, like secret agent type religious listener every week. <laughs> right. But they're just around the world doing some sort of crazy spy thing. And uh, oh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's fun, though. Um, hi. Hey, how you been? I'm doing all right. Uh, we were talking before the show, but um, actually we should probably kind of talk about Heartlands in general because that'll give a uh, kind of a backdrop to why I was compression testing and leaking doing a leak down test on my car. Are, are you ready to talk about Heartland now? Because we've been we've been home yeah. from that for several weeks and <laughs> and every time I, I mention it there's a look in so. your eyes like not yet i think so okay i think i'm i i think i'm good to talk about it i'll be interested to see with because you were there i was there uh yeah to see what you're gonna poke me with all right um so i'm gonna do like super quick overview like by the numbers and then we'll we can kind of go back so uh, it was the last race weekend of our year. Um, I had planned if the car could get back on the trailer, no issues, then we would most likely go to the winning formula weekend at Putnam Park, uh, which we did not do. 
because of reasons. Foreshadowing. Um, overall, though, um, I think performance-wise, probably... Actually, I don't even think probably. I think it was the best weekend of my driving career. Feels weird to say career, but like um, we had a better like record at AMP. But in terms of how I drove and how the car performed, I think that combination by far was the best weekend we've ever had. Oh, and you had all the big hitters there. It was a big, huge field. Yeah. It was yeah. it was a thing. 37, 38 cars, something like that. Right. Um, so, yeah, went into the weekend. Um, basically, um, with that big of a field and my um, qualifying record, I tend to expect to qualify somewhere in the low 20s. And um, kind of have to fight my way up in the races sort of thing. To my surprise, qualified in 15th, which was awesome. And then got a great start. Um, had a killer uh, battle with um, Baby Jensen. And I got by him once, and then he got by me, and I couldn't figure out a way to make a move a clean move stick on him so i just basically finished right behind him and the entire race had felipe gonzalez on my butt and it was good it was a lot of fun um had a at least one dq in front of us a couple mechanicals so actually ended up p10 in that first race which was crazy that was pretty mind-blowing yeah my mind was kind of blown, to be honest. Yeah. Um, there was cheering. Oh. I mean, it might have just been Becky and I, but we were cheering. Okay. I'll take it. Um, so that was it for the first day. Uh, we had practice, but it was slightly damp when we went out and getting damper as the uh, session went on. And I had a big moment enough to kind of open my eyes and be like and i'm good here <laughs> we're, gonna, <laughs> we're, we're gonna come in now um yeah your risk profile changed yeah rapidly. for sure um next day early morning we knew it was going to be chilly um so we kind of adjusted things accordingly went it out cold it was cold it was 30s when i woke yeah. up and went out, managed to chop about a second and a half off my personal best, um, which was awesome. And I think we had one more DQ in front of us, but which put us P8. Uh, had a good start in race two. And uh, kind of knew after race one, it's like, huh, they're doing that top 10 shootout. Wouldn't it be crazy if I got in that? And then like that was the last I thought about it. And then after um, race two, I saw where we ended and I was like, holy crap. Now we don't have four or five hours to like hang out and relax. Now we have like two and a half and then we're going to go do this really weird thing that I'm typically not very good at doing. So that's going to be cool, but weird. So Becky knew immediately like she was like, oh my God, we're in the top 10 shootout. <laughs> she was super excited. That's fun. Um, 
so yeah, we did the shootout. Uh, super weird format. Very similar in intensity to the one lap, I feel like. Um, you get one quick warm-up lap leading into your flyer and then one quick cool-down lap and that's it. Right. Um, so to me, like, it's even a little more intense because, like, you just go. And you have one lap to do it in, and that's it. Don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. Um, I definitely hung it out a little more than um, ideal, uh, coming out of three through four and kind of into five. And Looking back at my video, um, there's a couple corners I definitely didn't take very well. But I ended uh, with my one lap time within half a second of my personal best that morning which given the fact that i'm not terribly good at like a uh, at time attack time attack stuff like i was i was super proud about um especially seeing what happened i think had i cleaned everything up i probably could have met my personal best so that was kind of fun well, before we go into other races, okay. I want to ask you just like a general okay. question really quick. I had a, a couple people tell me before this event that they didn't think that this track raced particularly well. Um, like there wasn't great passing. There were weird parts that squeezed cars. How did you feel after the first two races? What was your opinion of the track as a as a track to race on? Um. I can I can understand why people would say that. Um, there are only a few good opportunities to pass, and by good I mean, um, like if if you're plotting out like going too wide all the way through a corner, the, the track is very fast, and there aren't any big braking zones. And that kind of leads to anytime you go side by side, your race pace comes down right. noticeably. So if you're trying to keep your overall like green to checkered race pace as high as possible, you know, going too wide through alpha one and two or through fast eight, nine, like that's going to affect your right. race pace pretty significantly. Um, that being said, um, I wouldn't say it's hard to pass. There's three full lanes all the way through. Um, the starts were tough, uh, because of how the track narrows down and is blind and then turns right after. Like that's a, that's a tough area, especially when everyone like, you know, patience on starts isn't really a thing. Uh, whole lot. It's a of pretty people. high commitment over that that blind. Yeah, yeah. And there's, I think there's a lot to be said for being a little more patient on starts. <laughs> I totally get like a lot of people see that as like their opportunity, but it's like every race going four wide uh, through there is hectic. It's hectic for sure. Oh. Um, race three started P seven. Um, got rolled on the start instantly. Um, Jackson Jensen and his, uh, V8 Corvette just blew by me on the start. Um, 
it must have been perfect gearing for him or torque or something because he was just gone and brought two cars along with him. Then, of course, Brian got shoved into a wall. Um, so we had two yellow laps, and then we only had, I think, three, two or three green flag laps after that. Right. And so it was kind of hard for me to get into a rhythm, and there was a lot of stuff afterwards. It was a pretty gross race kind of as a team, as Team GLTC. Uh, a lot of incidents, a lot of pass under yellows, just a lot of <laughs> contact under yellows. <laughs> yeah. It's just a lot of just trying too hard. Just, you know, I don't know. Something happens after race two, usually before race three, that stuff gets weird. Um, yep. So because of all that, uh, Scott and Adam decided to call a come to Jesus meeting for GLTC. And that was had. And race four cleaned up much better. So I, I I ended up race three in P13, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, which again, like, is still a great performance. It just, it didn't feel great because I never really got in the flow and, you know, got murdered on the initial green flag. Race four um, started, got a decent start um, coming around um, after the first green flag lap into turn one. And I uh, I saw Felipe's view from behind me and I had half of my rear tire off the pavement <laughs> when I turned in, which allowed the tire to slide because it didn't have all the tire. Uh, the right. tire just then slide off into the grass and um, kind of snapped me sideways, and I went for a bit of a ride through some surprisingly bumpy grass. Um, put me back like P25 or something, like just instantly, like 10 positions or so. So, all right. So I got back on, kind of, you know, waited till I was around turn two to actually, like, get back on track because, again, like... If you go off track, people, rejoining the surface as soon as you can to start racing again isn't the best option most times. You seem to be nice and patient with it. Like, you realized that the race was pretty, was largely gone. Yeah, like, at, there, was, there wasn't that much to be gained. No, at that point, in, in my mind at that point, it's like, I did this to myself. Do not ruin somebody else's race because they're doing fine. <laughs> right. Nobody deserves to suffer no. for no. for your mistake. Exactly. Um, so I rejoined the surface, you know, kind of scrubbed the tires real quick, um, be sure I didn't have any grass or dirt on them. Uh, got around a few people, uh, caught up with a uh, BMW who um, I had raced against at Mid-Ohio. And... Um, was having a very difficult time knowing what the car and the driver were going to be doing at any one point. Um, it's a lot of um, far left to far right swings with me on his bumper and doing some really late apexes, which makes it look like you know the door is 
being open for you, but then kind of closes hard, closes hard. Um, so I kind of had, had to sit back there for a couple laps, you know, just trying to choose because this is also BMW, so I had a lot of torque off the line or off right. corners and stuff. Um, so I just kind of had to play my move and uh, got a good run coming out of eight and nine like um, I had been and went to the inside of 10, which is a fast left, left plenty of room on the outside of 10. Um, and even going into 11, I assumed like, I didn't know where he was, but leave him, leave him a lane. So I left him a lane and then he, uh, he found the side of my car pretty good, uh, put me off track at 12 and, uh, had a moment, but then got back on track safely, uh, checked out the car. The steering wheel was crooked and, um, I kind of knew the rear toe was a little out, so I continued, um, but definitely wasn't going to be pushing at the rest of the race. Just kind of a let's let's finish and call you it. You only had like a lap at that point, right? Yeah, I think because you might have taken yeah. white as you came around that time. Uh, that might have been the case. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, that was that was that. Um, Body work. Yeah, and actually, and to be honest, less body work than I expected. Um, but I also still haven't inspected the suspension. The rear rear wheels kind of chewed up pretty good. Um, I'm not sure that one's going to be usable, which sucks. It's the second new wheel I've had to buy this year. And uh, need to look at the suspension stuff on the right rear, figure out why the toe is like a quarter inch of toe out <laughs> on that, on that corner. So something got wiggled. Yeah. Some, something, something got moved or squished. <laughs> yeah. So well, this, is a, this is a good time to note that uh, when you're choosing track wheels, if you choose something that's pretty common and easily replaceable, you can just buy them one at a time when I do, you when you need them. I do. Um, but sometimes people buy like wheels they like or, you know, a yeah. set of four wheels that are out of production because they got a good deal on them, et cetera, et cetera, which is fine. But wheels are a consumable in racing. Yes. Um, and you're going to need to replace some. And if you want to have a super stylish car like Scott with matching wheels, <laughs> um, choices need to be made. It's true. Does does need to be made? Um, I just pro there, tip. There for, is uh, them. there is only one place that sells the wheels that I have. Uh, they're in California. So earlier this year, when I had to buy a new wheel, I bought two new wheels because if I don't have this size wheel, like almost can't run them with. Um, the brakes up front that I have and stuff. So anyway, that was a bummer. Yeah. Um, I was bummed for you. Brian was smushed and drinking a beer because his car was smushed and then you yeah. got lightly smushed and it was, it didn't like for how well the weekend went, it didn't end very well at all for right. 
<laughs> for either one of us, Brian especially. Um, and it's like I, I find myself being still pleased with how I did and how the car did that weekend um, and frustrated by some uh, some particular drivers and more just uh, a thing that tends to happen in the mid-pack um, as well. But I think we'll... Uh, got a couple drivers or a driver in mind i'd like to have on the show to kind of talk about that later i would Um, like to hear about that um you know my my own experience is racing tiny motorcycles um versus versus cars and you know the the personalities of the people around you and you can see it like you've talked about it we both have talked about but it's like you can see the body language in whatever motorcycle car that you're behind like you can you can see how the driver is right handling things emotionally yeah um and sometimes if you're not doing well as a driver you impose that on other people and that's maybe something that should be talked about in in sort of reference to emotional status on a track and and those sorts of things and something that people should should think about maybe i don't know how you do that that culturally and go you know if you know if you are upset in doing weird things or you're scared in doing weird things um that has an impact on the people around you and or aggressive in doing things and um and you you are inflicting those emotions on other people through what you're driving. Yep. Um, and I think it's just something to, to think about in the moment. Like, do the people around me deserve this? Because I think we've all, we've all noticed ourselves after a race and gone, I shouldn't have been that guy. And and it's, and, been, it's been really, I think it's been really good to hear. I mean, Tom on several, a couple occasions this year after a race, not be pleased with who he was driving in that race. Right. Um, but we, we talked about it after Autobahn a bit this year when I qualified really well and then, um, you know, got to race and race one up front and then, well, kind of get left behind <laughs> by the leaders right. in race one. Um, and then joined the, you know, where my pace was in race two, which was mid-pack, and then uh, this weekend, you know, I got the, again, the pleasure of driving with uh, the back of the front, the front of the middle. I don't, I don't know what, whatever that area is right. um, for three races. And it was amazing for the most part. And then, you know, I, I do the thing to myself where, um, you know, I dropped a wheel off, which put me back and all of a sudden, like I'm in a, I'm in another world. Uh, in terms yeah. of intensity, even though the pace is lower, like the intensity and um, rashness of the decision making is just ratcheted way up. So, right, yeah. So there, there are some things I think as GLT in GLTC that we need to we need to talk about. We need to address. See, I, I've got some ideas um, that I think uh, could help. 
and I'm, I don't know. We'll see. But um, I would argue in all racing, like we we watched runoff stuff. Um, oh, you know, yeah. I raced small motorcycles. I I watch other people race small, small motorcycles. Like I think in all racing, there is a need to in real time evaluate yourself. Yep. That is that is lacking in general. Um, and I don't know if it's just a bandwidth issue, but but I've talked to a number of people who get done with a race and have regrets about their behavior on the cooldown lap. Yeah. And if if people could come up with that in real time, we could perhaps correct that before those regrets happen. Yeah. Because we talked I mean that's that's like an emotional thing that they that they talk about, right? Like don't say something you're going to regret in the moment. And you know, when you're dealing with interpersonal relationships, right? Like don't do something that you're going to have to apologize for if you can help it. Now that that I putting it that way I like. Okay. Uh, don't and, and, don't do something that you might have to apologize for. Now I want to like take a pause and that also assumes that everybody has the self-awareness to feel that they need to apologize because there were several instances over the weekend of behavior where uh, the drivers were kind of proud and braggy about (laughs) some of the moves that were done um, that were sketchy and dangerous and you know, there's a lot of correction after, like, long after the fact. Like, not only did they see this in a very different light, you know, so that needs to be addressed. And then, like, maybe you can get closer to the time where they do realize it after the fact that, you know, they could have done something better for themselves, for the cars around them. And then back that up a little bit more to, like, in the moment, like you're about to do something like you're about to close the door after doing something. Then you, you know, shoot. Nope. They're there. Then you open it up or sacrifice or something. And then hopefully now you're planning ahead. Like you've got to start like way after the fact and work it in. Right. So I don't think we, I, I don't know if there's a, if there's a place in the racing psychology community where that's talked about though. Um, I've never, see, I haven't done, because I haven't done wheel to wheel in cars. Um, so I haven't gone through the driver's school. So I haven't gone through, um, any of that stuff. Um, if, if anybody who listens to the show has gone through a thing where they talk about that, I would love to hear about it. To be honest, I think part of it, and, and I've got some plans to get some stuff for the trailer to help this process, but. I think we need to watch more of our video more like during the weekends, not just after the fact. And I think watch it with people who are friends, but like aren't cheerleaders for us. Okay. Um, Like not, not our hype men, but who can like watch it and be like, eh, dude, <laughs> that, that move was a little sketchy, man. Here, like, if if you look at it, like here's kind of what you were communicating to the car behind you or the car in front of you, um, you know, I would have done this or you could have done this sort of thing. Like, 
having that conversation because it, it initially I think it has to come from outside of you. Right. You know, we've, we've talked about this on a number of occasions. Like the only way we get better is from things outside of ourselves, whether it's with a coach, a friend, data, like what, whatever it is, like it's got to start outside of ourselves until that voice is like in our head enough to where right. we can start to automate it. But like you always need it there. And that was one thing I did over this weekend that um, I I typically don't get the opportunity to do because I wasn't, I didn't have any beginner students this weekend. Um, I kind of cashed in on my free weekend, even though I ended up doing some beginner classroom stuff. Um, I was able to look at more of my data. I was able to review race footage and, oh my God, like what, (laughs) it's funny because like, that's also what I do for other people. And it's like, wow, yeah, this really does make a difference, doesn't it? Yeah. And there was, there was a number of moments um, because of all the things that happened this weekend where people walked up to your paddock afterwards and said, do you want to see my video um, to you or to Brian? Mm, okay. um, and they said, like, I saw that and I would like you to see what I saw. Yes. Um, yeah, perspective. You, like it could be the same incident or same move, but you look at it from a different camera angle and it changes. Right. Um, and I right now there there is a place where people look at data, and it's when somebody comes and buying a black minivan and says, "You, I need your video card." It's so damn ominous when, when Scott rolls up in a minivan, and you're like, "Oh my god, it's the feds." But, but I don't, my perception is that even though everybody is polite in those moments, when you're reviewing data with Scott Giles, there's no way for that not to be an emotional situation. For sure. I mean, you are, Um, you are being judged. Right. And, and it would be a lot, it it would be a lot better to have a, a format where you could sit in, in Scott's trailer in a comfortable chair. It's got Robertson's trailer in a comfortable chair and be like, dude, let me see your video. I want to see what that looked like from outside the car. Or somebody can bring you video and be like, I want you to see what that looked like from outside the car. Cause it wasn't something, wasn't something that, that made Scott and Renee want to talk to us. We should probably still look at this. Right. Or like Um, if you had a great race, like, yeah, let's watch like that should be celebrated. That should be something like, oh, my God, I saw what you did right there. That's amazing. I'm going to learn from that. Right. Like there it's both it's, it's both sides. But I think it, it's it got to come down to just sharing more. Right. Um, And one of the things I've been trying to do all year and finally was able to make happen thanks to Heartland's ample paddock space is we got um, most of the actually we got all of the regular GLTC Miatas who were at Heartland next to each other. So it's like one, two, three, four, five of us actually like got to paddock next to each other. And guess what? Like that was helpful for several people. Yeah, that was really cool. Um and it was cool. And it was just nice to like kind of share. And I mean we were all kind of doing our own thing, but like if we needed help or like you just shout like, hey I need, I need help. Yeah. 
Right. And people uh, would show up. Right. And and people would come. And it was delightful. Um, you know, and then of course, you know, I had Brian right next to me. Um, and then Nick on the other side of him, who, you know, I was helping to kind of coach and uh set up uh help him with the setup and review data and he did really well that weekend um like we talked a couple weeks ago and uh well, i guess last week when this comes out yeah yeah and so yeah i mean it's just like i'm I'm a stickler for like the small things being important and like having the miatas together seemed important having brian there was important having nick close was p- important um, having you there was important. Having Becky Aww. there is vital. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, <laughs> non-negotiable at this point. Um, yeah, so it's just like the weekend was formatted for success. And I think the thing that we haven't talked much about yet is like my my mental game into this weekend was the best it's ever been bar none. Um, I came into this weekend a little nervous with larger fields because larger fields tend to get weird. Right. Um, and from the start of practice, I kind of knew what I was going to be working on every session is going to be visual heavy working on eyesight, eye lines, um, reference points, listening, feeling, kind of all that stuff. Like everything I could do, that was the focus. Um, And it worked out superbly well. And, you know, still a lot of growth and development that I'd like to do. But, I mean, the fact that that's how my season ended, uh, I'm really quite pleased with. So kind of had that experience at Mid-Ohio for the second day of competition and fortunately like despite the two months that went by in between um was able to carry it through into that weekend and it was huge it's really cool i think you ended the year a better driver than you started by a couple different metrics and i think that's that's a good thing um for a variety of reasons but also because you and i know how old you and i are and there will be a year where you feel like it's going to be hard to get better yes and to still be to be at an age where professional drivers retire because they've already reached that point and to have you still be on the up feels good yeah it does feel good i mean i'm i'm 40 yeah i'm 40 youngster gonna be 41 before the start of the next season um yeah and that feels good yeah i'm already starting to think about what what my goals next year need to be and i think i can comfortably say i want to get a personal best lap time at every single track i go to and i think that's absolutely doable so that's cool got that going for me yeah, i like that you made that public right now that's awesome yeah <laughs> Now you're accountable to that. <laughs> I am. Uh, yeah. So ask me about that next year, if uh, if yeah. you remember. 
Um, otherwise, coming into the weekend, um, I'd mentioned that a couple times that Tom Gorman drove my Miata in the fun race at Mid-Ohio. Um, and we got some good data and just his impressions. He said the setup largely was pretty good. Um, just felt a little slow in a straight line and I don't have ABS. Yep. And one of those is cheaper than the other one. So, uh, it was my plan to do this at Lime Rock, but you know, didn't go to Lime Rock for reasons. And, um, so planned on getting on the dyno first, kind of as soon as I could at Heartland. And I did. And at my weight and with all my modifiers and stuff, I think I'm allowed like right about 200 horsepower. Um, And at the beginning of the season back in March at Gingerman's Dino, I dynoed at like 198 and change, which, you know, is still pretty tight, but is good. So, okay, well, get on there. First run. 172 (laughs) and I kind of looked at it in disbelief I'm like okay I I guess I now I should preface this with saying like I'd never been on grid life's dyno yet right gingerman's dyno used to be kind of the gold standard um, but I had not been on it since okay so I was expecting th- things to be different and to be a little down on power just because Tom has a pretty good sense for that kind of stuff. But it's one we say Tom's got a good butt. It... Yeah? Yeah. Tom's yeah. got a good butt. There we go. And um just put that out there. Um it's grown men talking about grown men. Yeah. And so I'm like, let's do that one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, cause that's like 30 horsepower down. All right. So do the next, do another dyno pull, uh, pretty quick and comes up to 179, which is still very low. <laughs> so I'm like, so at this point, um, my, um, uh, couldn't quite get a hold of my tuner. So it's like, there's only one page that I feel comfortable with dinking with and that is the throttle body max opening so i'm like well we're still 20 horsepower down um i'm gonna start opening you know page up is the thing everybody talks about i'm gonna start pushing this up arrow do another dyno run 182 well that's not nearly enough (laughs) so i start doing much bigger jumps five and ten percent jumps um Ending with the throttle body being fully open all the time for a grand total of 189 horsepower. Which, for those of you playing at home, is still 10 horsepower down. Just 5%. Yes. Um, So, in light of that, kind of in retrospect with how the weekend ended ended up going, I'm, I'm pretty pleased. Um, considering I was 10 horsepower down on where I could have been. I'm pretty good with that. Um, I do, I think that the extra 10 horsepower that I paged up helped me. You better believe it. (laughs) It was like noticeable. 
I mean, just in in the field, like I'm I've raced with these people for long enough now. This year, I kind of knew where I was falling, and I was falling in a slightly higher group than I typically do. All right. Um, I think again, I was driving much better than I typically do, but I do. I think ten horsepower helped. Yes, I do. I think ten por- horsepower will always help. Yes. Yeah. And kind of in retrospect, I am pretty happy with how the season's gone. Um, if you were that low on power if for I was, a while. I certainly was at Mid-Ohio. Um, I I don't quite know what happened. Um, I've been able to send the, the tune files to a few people who took a look and they were like, hmm, there's some things that we need to clean up here. So, yeah. Um, couldn't really do that over that weekend. Um, but you know, and of course in my anxious prone mind, I'm like, you know what? I, did I hurt the motor? (laughs) Like is the engine (laughs) hurt? Um, but I like, I'm not really burning oil. I'm not pushing coolant. Well, we know Bob said your oil was breaking down though. Yeah, but that's the oil, not... I'm just saying. I know. I mean, they, like, tell me that wasn't in your mind somewhere. Oh, it, it came up. <laughs> it came up as evidence A, um, or exhibit A. So, yeah, so Seth and I were talking before the show, and uh, they, you know, just quick test, do a compression test, all four cylinders. And it was, what was it, 168, 158... 168, 172. Hmm, okay. It's not terrible, but one of those is not like the other. So I borrowed a leak tester today and uh, threw it on, and I'm all within 88 to 91 leak down, which is well within kind of normal operating, especially considering it's been in a race car for a few years now i mean your rings and your valves are all as happy as they need to be as happy as they need to be so it's not the motor hooray well and also like in in an ideal world you know you talk about boosting the throttle opening because that that motor with a good tune wide open should produce more horsepower than you need on on again this is on gingerman's dyno and Right. I'm going to you know need to just start doing it on grid lights because that's the one that really matters. Right. Um I originally dynoed at 217. Right. So you should and, and that's what I the, that's, should have overhead. So theoretically right now with the throttle body wide open, I'm making 189 when I formerly say I was at 215. So 25 yeah, horsepower now, different dynos, different days, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so it's a lot. But that's that's outside of the what I can consider a margin of error. Yeah, so you either have a sensor that's walked in its values or... Something. 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 Um, because, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really the thing, is if everything is operating right, even with the you know, a, a a motor that's got some race miles on it, you should still have some overhead and need to, to yes. detune the motor from maximum. Yes. 
Um, that is correct. And so you need to figure out where those horses went. Yeah. Yeah, they got out of the stable. Um, <laughs> Sneakily. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, so at least, you know, that makes my off season a little easier. Uh, don't need to, or <laughs> don't need to. Seth, you don't need to do anything with a race car. <laughs> Let's make that perfectly clear. I mean, I, I wouldn't feel compelled to change the motor out. Okay. Let me put it that way. <laughs> so, uh, so that's good. Um, so now at this point that the motor's tested the way that it has and everything, I can kind of get up on jack stands, get it quote unquote put away for the winter and kind of slowly get to work on everything else. So, yeah. Which, there's, there's always a list. I, I have a list. It's not, I, it's not a terrible list this, this winter. Um, but it's things, you know, if I can work a little bit on it almost every day, um, I can do quite a bit of work over a period of time. So, yeah, without feeling overwhelmed and getting it done early. Um, because last year the car, like I barely had the car in total for three or four weeks. Right. Um, and that was crazy. Don't want to do that again if I can help it. So, Curse is pretty much... Ex- I don't plan on it going anywhere this winter, does which your, is delightful. Does your garage have heat? Uh, it... Yeah. Uh, yeah. It... No. Um. I, I only say that because, you know, the more you do before it gets really hard to touch metal things, because yes. they're cold. Yes. Um. So I, mean, I have that, a hundred one hundred and ten volt like plug in like electric <laughs> portable uh, fireplace looking thing <laughs> that like does it does it flicker? It, it it does some some nice like fire effects. Let's call so it like sets so it, like sets the mood. Sure. All right. Um. It it does not do the job, and it has to be running <laughs> for a while. Um. So this winter, I'm going, I've actually got 220-volt service out in the garage. So I'm okay. going to go buy like a $120 electric heater and plug it in and enjoy that. I I want that for you. I want that for me very badly, too. <laughs> That's going to be like my comfort upgrade for my garage for the year. So, um. But yeah, I mean, into the from beginning of the season to the end, like the car is handling so much better with the spring change and kind of what we've learned with the arrow and everything. Um, so that's been a delightful change because the first half of the season was frustrating. Right. Um, mental bandwidth, you know, I certainly learned a lot at the last two events that I went to. Um, just kind of reminding myself what I preach to other people a lot is to take time, look at your video, look at your data, sit down with a track map. It doesn't have to be for hours, but it needs to be for a little while. Right. Um, and uh, GLTC um, is still my preferred drug of choice, and uh, I feel like we've got some work to do. 
to we don't and we don't anticipate uh rules changes that will affect you um not yes. that there won't be some minor tweaks but i am hoping and anticipating a tire change um but nothing that will directly impact me um and there may be some allowances that get changed but we're talking a percentage here or there at most yeah. so it's a little little dyno tweak little weight type little thing, so. little stuff so no no major changes um to the rules i think so. all right yeah uh like i don't other than you know a minor wrinkle and a your toe out like i don't it's hard to hard to go into the the off season better i mean yeah the car's got to like you have things that need to be done but yes you don't have like i feel like you don't need to be in panic mode over the off season and i'm not and it's delightful yeah. because last year it was car like on the way back from road america we dropped it off at the body shop right and it was there for a while, a couple months. Mm-hmm. And then it went down to Kentucky to get wired by Blake at yep. Bluegrass Engineering. And if you ever need anything wired, he is the dude to do that your, for you. Your wiring is so legit. It is so nice. Wait, when we pulled the when we pulled the can cover to just to just, check the valves to make sure fits. everything was there like i was blown away at how oh my god so like nice. oe level yeah everything is is wrapped and labeled and the right length and in the right place and it was phenomenal it's so nice and like blake should build fighter jets he, he should <laughs> probably geek out at the massive like connectors those stupid things have to have um yeah and he's one of the ones who set me up with uh the haltech nexus uh ecu which has been amazing and it's yeah he's the man um yeah oh so you don't have to do the 10 percent a year thing like the boat thing like where yeah. it costs you 10 percent well, a year to keep your boat floating well, I mean, tires and wheels and, but this is not a $20,000 car anymore. I <laughs> if for being honest, like 20,000 competitive $20,000 GLTC cars don't exist. No, which is, but, yeah. <sighs> but the good old days. Yeah. So yeah, overall, like I'm, I'm really quite pleased i was delighted to have had the people there who were there and the cars there that were there i am so frustrated and sad for brian um it just really sucks because like i in my mind like i knew the next steps in upgrading in a upgrade path for him to make that car even better than it is currently and um I don't quite know what the plan for it yet is, but it's it's in sorry shape right now. Yeah, it's wrinkly and has a bent nose, like yeah. it like all flat off to the side. nose, like yeah, flat. Got got belt sanded hard. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and 
a little frustrated with how race four ended um, and kind of the performance of um, some some in GLTC and stuff. But I think that that sort of happened throughout the field throughout the weekend. Um, One of the things we could one of the things that was good at Heartland is that you could stand on top of those huge bleachers that overlook the drag strip. I never heard how much of that can you see? How much of the track can you see? see two thirds of the track. Okay. Now you can't you can't always see exactly what's going on because your angles are a little weird, but you sure. can see the cars doing things, and you could see things happen. Um, the 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 big thing you missed is through you know one A down into those maneuvers, and you couldn't see till you came back around. But once you came back around, you could see most of it, and then that whole back section. Okay. Um, but it it wasn't just you. There was just sort of like things that happened throughout the field throughout the weekend especially later in the weekend and it was would be better if those things didn't happen sure um and and you're right there's a difference you can watch the cars in in the top say 10 positions race next to each other with adequate room and speed and speed predictability yeah and that goes away to some extent the farther down the field you get. And I don't know yes. if that's just a matter of of experience, if that's a matter of perspective. Um All the I'm not sh- I, I'm not sure I'm not sure exactly what it is, but yep. but as a spectator watching the races, it's different. Yeah. Um and and I'm not saying that it's not expected or or anything. We a lot of times, and and I'd like to kind of get back to this language. Like we we used to demand perfection, and right. I want to get back to that. I want to demand perfection and allow for grace when perfection doesn't happen. Um, and it's still expected to be a zero contact series. Yes, and I I think we need I think we can do more with setting those expectations and helping equip and develop our drivers in such a way to help meet that expectation. Right. So. Yeah, but again, like I just overall it was a very good weekend. A very long drive, but it's a good weekend. Yeah, I was I was happy that I went. Yeah. Um and yeah, it was a long drive home, but I was still happy that I went. Um got to see you guys, got to watch car racing, got to do a minor amount of of helping, um which always feels good to be yep. um dirtbag my way into a weekend and be like, "No, I was actually slightly useful to a few people." Um should should I talk about the coil packs? Yeah, apparently my my <laughs> calibrated Torque hands are crappy at that. My my explanation is you used to kids' bikes, so everything's just lighter. It is. You really can't. I mean, we're all screws in aluminum, and you don't tighten things tight. Yeah. Um, I mean, the car ran. Yeah, we just don't know when they fell out. So as it was, we we Scott had us pop the valve cover off, check the the valve clearance to make sure there wasn't a valve issue that was that was losing in power. Um, a few of the valves were like me, but nothing that would have lost in power. And so we're assembling the car 
pretty close to when he has to go out. Yeah. And um, I, I like, I had pulled the coil packs off one by one, set them out in order with the screws. I was reassembling things. And one thing I know about the, those motors is I, the, the torque spec on them is only like eight foot pounds or something, right? Like it's, that's for the valve cover bolts for the, it can't be much more for those. No, it's it's really light. And of course we're not torque wrenching things. Scott did the the super important things, but I, I tightened down the coil packs and my brain is like, all right, what does eight foot pounds feel like? And I was like, it's like two fingers and a pinky up. Right. And then it's just a little like, you know, when you put a wrench on it, you're just like, and you scooch it and you're like, that's about eight. And so I did all of them to what my brain was like, I think this is appropriate. I am not going to strip out a bolt on Scott's valve cover. Like definitely not. And you didn't. And, and I didn't. Um, but unfortunately two of the bolts, uh, freed themselves. They they gone. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, but the, the coils, coil packs stayed in place. So that was good. Um, in retrospect, definitely should have checked the torque on those after the first thing. Um, knowing yeah. what a hurry we were in assembling stuff. Yeah, that's fair. Um, is is the reason we should have done that because we were in a hurry. Like I know I torqued because I was very conscious of like, don't strip out Scott's car. Don't strip out Scott's car. Um, so I remember that thought process. Yeah. Um, so I know I tightened all four of them down to what I thought was appropriate and it yeah. was not adequate for four race car stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's Vib- on me. I also Vib- got two volts. Vibrady honda things so yeah well we we should stop because we should stop i'm i'm glad that you got to the emotional state where you were happy to talk about this though yeah i I think so too and the fact that my motor isn't dead um is helping a lot too yeah um so that's good uh we are at track walking podcast facebook and instagram and uh leave a leave a review or uh rating and a comment kind of all that stuff helps us be found and we we like that we like people most of the time and uh yeah otherwise we'll be back next week um with something we'll come up with something i'm scott and i'm seth we'll talk to you next week